Hello and welcome back to that rugby podcast hosted by the Sports Booth. We are back for 2024, Husey. Good day, everyone. 2024, a new... We can forget all about 2023. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just look ahead, you know? Let's look ahead. As, as every good Aussie fan wants to, is to look back <laughs> and forget what happened in 2023 and mm. look forward to 2024. Oh, if there's going to be that much to look forward to, that remains to be seen. <laughs> we will see. Don't even know who our coach is going to be yet, so... <laughs> And we'll touch. We will touch base on all of that later. Um, yeah. Today's episode, running through what we're going to do is do a lot of predictions for our year. Obviously, mm-hmm. me and Hughie have been off for about a month now. We've recouped. We've gone through our off season. We're heading into our yeah. preseason, and we we we're went to our predict. yoga retreat, centered ourselves, unlocked our chakras, uh, you know, cleansed ourselves from um, you know online toxicity and stuff. We did the Aaron Rodgers um, Hayuska. <laughs> methodology and you know in the dark cavern just a real good cleanse and so now we're now we're back now we're refreshed ready to go yeah and we're going to drop um obviously some predictions in this podcast and we'll be running out those predictions and we're going to be right because of what we've done over the off season the the way we've prepared the cleanse that we had there is no doubt in my mind that we don't get all of these right yeah, we've uh, we managed to contact a being on the other side. Um, we used a, a Ouija board, the recognised um, official way to contact spirits. We uh, spoke with uh, an ancient druidess named Rain, and she's given us the answers to to all of these things. Oh, she's given us different answers, and I think that's really to test our spirit and commitment and belief. Um, and uh, I guess you know the the future is always an uncertain thing, but what will what is what will happen is that at least one of our predictions will be right. You know, which whichever way we guess, if we pick differently, one of us is going to be right. So, you know, you're gonna get the you're gonna get the right answers. You just have to decide for yourself whether it's myself or Luke who's going to give you that answer. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'm I'm all in with the spirits at the moment, so I'm yeah. feeling good about my predictions. Um, we will kick yeah. this straight off. We'll go straight into it, and we're starting with the first tournament that's going to happen this year. Well, the first international mm-hmm. tournament, should I say? Um, obviously, we are. Um, I'm based in London at the moment, but we are Southern Hemisphere based. Um, since you're an Aussie, I'm a Kiwi. Um, so we're more Super Rugby based. Obviously, a lot of European competition competitions still happening, um, but. Starting with the Six Nations, the first international competition. Husey, who have you got taking that out? For me, I think this is a bit of a, a two-horse race um, between your Ireland and your France. I think England closed out the World Cup strongly, but I don't know. I think they they had an easier time of the brackets. Let's let's be real. You know, um, I, I I think if they'd come up against an Ireland or a France, Ireland would have broken their quarterfinals curse. For me, though, I don't know. I, I, I feel like it's going to be France this year. I feel like they were they, – they've, they've probably got a bit of a fire in them from hosting the Home World Cup and not making it past the quarters, DuPont shattering his face as he did, whereas I think the Irish are a bit more deflated because the Irish have sort of been like – yeah, it's the same old story. We make it to the quarters and we don't go any further. France at least have gotten to the final before. so And I think France might want it a bit more. Um, and as well, the loss of Sexton for Ireland, you know, his, you know, moving on, that's a big one. Uh, Andy Farrell is, you know, going to be the next Lions coach. That might cause a little bit of distraction. I don't know. I've just... 
for me, I, I just the spirit is telling me France. Yeah, I I see what you, I see why the spirits are saying that, and and the big question mark around Ireland mm. is obviously Sexton gone. Who plays? Yeah. Who is at number ten, and who and can he perform to the level of Sexton? What Sexton can deliver for what that Irish game plan is like now. With what you're saying, the first game is obviously the most important thing because France hosts Ireland on February second. Um, yeah, which is going to be the biggest game um, for both of those teams in the Six Nations. You'd think. However, saying that, Ireland, I like what you've said, and this is what I said last year um, when I predicted Ireland to win it. France had to travel to Ireland and beat Ireland. Never easy to do. Um, and now Ireland have to travel to France. Ireland also only host, I believe it's Italy, Wales, and Scotland. So they have to travel to France and have to travel to England and play those two teams away. France, on the other hand, um, have to travel to Scotland and have to travel, I believe, to Wales. So France have three yeah. home games, obviously in advance, and they always play better at home. Yeah, that's it was the story, right? You know, they had that uh, streak of uh, games that they hadn't lost, and most of those were played at home. They'd beaten quality opponents at home. You know, it just it all seems adds like up. it's lining up. It does. Yeah. Um, saying that, they do love to go to Scotland and lose. Now Scotland hosts France and England. Mm. Scotland speak for them. Big game is the last game is where they play Ireland away. This is saying that Italy are going to be walkovers, which we never quite know because Italy were walkovers yeah. in the World Cup. But they last rugby um Six Nations they put up some really good fights. I'm going to take a bit of a side one here and out of the blue, I'm going to say Scotland come out of nowhere and win it. Now I'm saying that because I think they're disappointed with how their rugby World Cup went. Um, Obviously, they didn't put up much of a fight against Ireland or South Africa to to, yeah. to push themselves through. They host the um, the teams that they need to host. I think they can beat France. I think they can beat England. I think the game that they will struggle is obviously Ireland. Yeah, that I can't get over that one. Which I understand, but I'm saying if Ireland lose to France and Scotland beat France, and then comes down to a calculation, mm. and that's where I go. If everything's up in the air. There's, there's a chance here, and that's what I'm saying. If they get on a run yeah. early, that's the last game. If all they have to do is beat Ireland in Ireland to win the Six Nations, those Scottish boys will get up for it. They'll get up for it, but so will the Irish. You know, I think the Irish <laughs> are quite offended that people would assume that they would have some camaraderie with the Scots to try and keep South Africa out. I think they are sick and tired of being lumped in with Scotland all the time where people can't tell if someone's got a Scottish accent or an Irish accent. People saying it's all the same. People saying that bagpipes are Scottish when really they originated in Ireland. You know, all sorts of things. The Irish have no love lost for the Scots. Um, I, I don't... I personally don't believe Scotland can beat Ireland. I don't... That, that for me, is the main sticking point in your argument. Um, I, I just don't think it can happen. I don't think they match up well against Ireland. I think they get up... I think the Irish get up more for the Scottish and the Scottish get up for the Irish and the Scottish really get up for the English. The fact that the Irish is the last game, they would have had to have played some pretty magnificent games before that to get into in, even into a position to be consideration for number one. And I don't know if the, there'll be enough gas in the tank for it. I, 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 I mean, this is what this, the spirits told me it's not happening. <laughs> well, the spirits told me there's a chance. Yeah. So there we go. That's our six nations winners. Let's move on to the Southern Hemisphere competition yeah. uh, where we have the Rugby Championship winners. Now, I'll start us off. I'll kick us off here. Now, I got this wrong in one of the videos I got because I thought 
New Zealand were hosting South Africa for two games, but New Zealand actually goes back to South Africa for two games. And it's kind of worked out awkwardly because obviously World Cup year, there was only one game. So South Africa only travelled yeah. once to New Zealand. And then the year before that, we travelled twice. Well, we played South Africa twice. So they're doing it where mm. you play them two weeks in a row in their country. So it yeah. means that we travelled to South Africa, we host Argentina, you travel to Argentina, host South Africa. And then the others are split, obviously, the Bledisloe and um, South Africa versus Argentina. So a great big old task for good old uh, Razor in his first time in charge. Mm. Um, saying that, there's obviously some bitterness because we didn't win a World Cup. So we can't sit on our laurels and say we won a World Cup. Uh, the South Africans obviously can. South Africans have got a plan in place for resting players, um, club-wise and internationally. I think, I don't want to say you obviously can't discount the South Africans, but I think New Zealand go in with a really good opportunity to win this one, um, just purely on the basis of new head coach. And I know South Africa do, but Razzie was in the setup, so it's not like the players having to do too much because Razzie's going to know exactly what they are. I think everybody who puts on a All Works jersey this year is having to put their name in that position um, in which Razor will get out of them. So I've got the All Blacks winning. Um, I think they'll go over, beat South Africa at least once um, over in South Africa. I think we'll handle you lot and handle the RGs and I think South Africa will lose another game along that line. Yeah. So to, to let me make sure I understand the fixtures correctly. So we are hosting the Springboks for two games. Correct. And we are hosting the All Blacks for two games. For and one game. Then we are tr- for one game. That's right, one game, of course. One and game in the are, Rugby Championship. I don't know what the third of the Blue yeah. Slovers be. Yeah. And then two games in Argentina. Yep, correct. Right. So a nice draw for you lot. Yes. Yeah, a relatively friendly draw. But I think we're the Wallabies are already a bit on their back foot this year. Uh, with not having a coach. Other international squads are doing some sort of training. You know? As we all saw. Did you see yep. Ben Donaldson's comments? I didn't see his comments. I did oh. see the All Blacks training, but I didn't see Donaldson's comments. Yeah, no, Donaldson came out um, and basically said, look, we'd love to be training if we knew what was going on, but um, yeah. no one from Rugby Australia has let them know the plan. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, which, you know. Not a good sign. Not a, not, not a great start, but I think there's been so much. The, the, the timing of everything has been really unfortunate with it being the end of the year. Christmas, New Year's, everyone's going away. Everyone's coming back. And then a lot of these people that are involved with Rugby Australia are also on other boards and things like that. So it is difficult. For me, Rugby Championship winners, um, I think I, I'm, I'm, I think our spirits align in, in thinking the All Blacks. The coaching staff for the All Blacks this year is absolutely stacked. It's ridiculous. The talent is, is coming through is still there. It's now the new wave. I think Razor is a good enough coach to get that done. And South Africa are going to suffer... Um, a hangover uh, after winning the World Cup. Classic sort of um, championship hangover. Um, yeah. Uh, Argentina could make some waves. I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I think it's New Zealand 1, Argentina 2, South Africa 3, Australia 4. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, until South Africa, uh, until Argentina get over the hump of beating the South Africans consistently, I don't know if yeah. I can put them there, but maybe this is their year. Um Bledisloe, um, based off what we've kind of just said, I imagine we're both imagine- thinking that the spirits didn't have to tell us much in this one. Mm. 
It's coming. It's staying in the New Zealand Trophy cabinet. I don't yeah. think this is the year that we sit there and say that you win back the Bledisloe. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. It's not. We don't know who the the coach is there sort of behind. I don't think it's this year. I think it's coming, but I don't think it's this year. It's just would be, it would be extraordinary. It would be one of the most masterful coaching performances of all time were it to happen. It would be historic. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it would take more hard work than it. It's no simple fix. There's no quick fix to just win the Bledisloe. There's a lot of work that needs to go into it. So I don't think it's this year. So yeah. I'm predicting all backs. Let's, let's touch base now on the Aussie coach, just cause we've, we've mm. mentioned it about seven times. Um, there's obviously been a few more candidates that have popped up now mm. previous to the um, end of last year. Well, we're kind of looking at Stephen Larkham. Again, they pulled Dan McKellar back. Yeah. Is there anyone else? Joe Schmidt's name has been tossed around knowing now. And I just mm. think if there's a man to rewrite to steady the ship, as some would say, that mm. is a man who can steady a ship. Like came in when Ireland weren't at the top led them to kind of build this where they are now. Um, yeah. Came in when New Zealand were struggling a little bit, steered the ship there and got us into a Rugby World Cup final. You just sit there and you go, if there's a man who can steady the ship, go, this is how we play attacking footy. And and the Wallabies love to play attacking footy. Like, it's in their DNA. You look back at yeah. the greats like Larkham and you look back at Gregan and you go, they loved it. They they absolutely loved to attack from anywhere. Sterling Mortlock, like I just all I remember is running rugby. The Aussies loved it as much as the Kiwis. So I go, yeah. if there's a man who can write that, I think it's him. I think you also pull Larkham in because Joe Smith doesn't want to be there forever. I think he goes, yeah. I can do this for the next four years, take us to a home World Cup, and see how it goes from there. But he doesn't want to do this forever. Even if he goes, I'll take this for the next two to three years. Steady us up, and then Larkin comes in after that. I just go that they need to get a succession plan in order now. If they go someone like Joe Smith, but I think Joe Smith is, in my mind now, the number one candidate. Like I think even above Ian Foster, um, I know who, whose name I know have been chucked out. Mm. Um, even above um, Jamie Joseph, I think Jamie Joseph would get in yeah. there and would play a hard line. Um, but I just think Joe Smith's your answer there. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not opposed to that. I think it's really difficult to know what to do and who the players will respond to. Um, so this is sort of like, you know, I am not opposed to the Wallabies taking their time. Uh, it's just, you need to make sure you get this, this next coaching selection has to be the right one, has to be the right one. And the coach has to be all in on not only the Wallabies, but Rugby Australia as a whole. That's the key. That's the key thing here is that this next person, this next coach is going to be the face of Australian rugby going forward for a bit. You know, Eddie Jones really took over as a talismanic coach and then he ran it into the ground. He provided a lot of press, but a lot of negative press, right? We need someone who's going to do the opposite. Um, you know, I've been an advocate for Larkham because um, I think he is a figure with a good non-controversial history, whereas Jones came in with that controversy from having coached in South Africa, Japan, England, um, known for being a big mouth, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think, yeah, it's, 
it's, it comes back down to the same things as always is that the support from rugby Australia needs to be there. The way that they build this coach up, the way that they, they support them and build out the grassroots, how they put them in the media, the marketing job's got to be a hell of a lot better than what they did for Eddie Jones. You need to have a PR person that tells the coach what to say and what not to say, because clearly Eddie Jones is going out there with, without any sort of guidance whatsoever, or at least they were so ineffectual that they were just completely ignoring it and um, basically giving two middle fingers to to everyone and said, uh, cow bunga and drop it and riding the bomb all the way to the ground. You know, it was a shit show. So whoever this next coach needs to be, um, needs to be someone controlled uh, and in control um, and needs to have the firm backing of rugby Australia. So, you know, Take your time, Rugby Australia, sort it out, and uh, hire the right man or woman for the job, for that matter, whoever it might be. I couldn't agree more. Um, all right, let's move on to our next prediction. Who finishes as the number one team in the world at the end of next year? So currently we sit South Africa, Ireland, New Zealand, France are the top four. Um, now, in to take you into the mid-year tests, I believe mm. you, you, you lot are hosting Wales. We are hosting England. Just two match series because it was a World Cup last year. France mm. are heading to South Africa. Scotland. Well, that'll be good. Are heading to the Pacific. Italy are heading to America. Who's heading to Argentina? That must mean someone's heading to Argentina. I don't know who's heading to Argentina. England? Where's England heading? No, New Zealand. England, Scotland, Pacific Island is going where? Ireland, heading to Argentina. Mm. There you go. That's a thing we haven't got to. So, um, yeah. So, saying all that, those two game series, you've got the rugby championship. Then the end of year, in the end of year slog. I know. I'm pretty sure England are playing South Africa, New Zealand. No, they're playing New Zealand and Australia this year. Um, I think it locked in. Um, so already two hard games for them. Um, I know France have a pretty easy slate towards the back of the year. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of just, just to take into mind who you think will finish um, first. I'm going to start us off. Uh, mm. Finishing first. I did it in the video and I picked New Zealand, but that's because I thought we were hosting South Africa in the rugby championship. And I kind of went, yeah. we win both of those games we host at home. We win all of our rugby championship games. And then we hit overseas. The hardest game will be England. Um, I think from us, I think we also had Scotland maybe on the cards. Um, so I just, I imagined us maybe potentially losing one game, dropping a game to Aussie somewhere, dropping a game to England over there, um, mm. even potentially going undefeated in Razor's first season, which would be a dream come true. Yeah. Saying all of that, that would take us to number one. Now that we're playing in South Africa, it kind of opens up a bit more. Let's say... What you said happens, the Spirits directed France to win the Six Nations. Yeah. Say then France go to South Africa and win a couple of times, because I've just said New Zealand can do that, so I can't sit yep. there and say France can't do it, especially South Africa, no no one cares about who finishes number one in 2024, because they're the yeah. reigning world champions. Like, it's such a South Africa, South Africa are already plotting for four years down the line. So this is why I'm saying don't count South Africa out, but I think they do drop from one to down, because they don't necessarily mind not being the number one team this year. So I think it's a New Zealand versus France battle if it goes your way. If France don't win the Six Nations, say Ireland win it, then Ireland definitely put their name up in the in the lights. If my prediction comes right and Scotland win it, then I think New Zealand finishes number one. So I'm going to sit here and say New Zealand finishes number one because I've predicted the way 
loving games. Yeah, for me, it's it's really tough. Uh, the France and in, uh, in South Africa series is a big one for me. I think if France can win, because I predicted them to win the Six Nations, I think if they can win in South Africa, they could be the number one team. Um, I'm I'm split between France and New Zealand, to be quite honest. And I think w- where the world number one team will be decided is in South Africa, both from New Zealand playing there and from France playing there. Um, it's sort of a coin flip for me. It, it's it's sort of who's ranked higher currently, New Zealand? Just yeah, just. Yeah, it really comes down. It's really for me. It, it's it's between it's whoever whoever picks up a game in South Africa will be the number one team. Now, do I think that's more likely to be New Zealand or do I think that's more likely to be France? I think it's more likely to be New Zealand, so I'm going to go with New Zealand. Oh, good lad. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was lining out for. Um, so the spirits are telling us New Zealand finished number one in the world. Razor has the greatest first year as a New Zealand head coach ever. Doesn't lose a game. Excellent. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I went, would go that far, but you know, I think they, I think they've got the, they've got the tools, they've got the coaches. Go out and prove it, lads. Definitely. Um, let's then go into player of the year. I'll let you kick us off. Who do you think will be player of the year twenty twenty four? So obviously, so that's such a hard one to pick because there's so many great teams out there. I think a bit of Northern Hemisphere bias comes in here, right? I think that Six Nations is always such a big influence on this. I know I'm. I, it's, I, I should have won a France jersey today with how much French propaganda <laughs> I'm putting out there. Um, I think Dupont gets it because I think it's, it's almost sort of like, you know how NFL has comeback player of the year? I think it's a little bit of that will go his way. Um, you know, the bravery from playing through the broken face, France winning the Six Nations, if they pick up a game in South Africa, I think that'll really do it for him as well. Uh, and I think that the, the selectors will have a bit of bias towards the Northern Hemisphere. Is Dupont playing the Six Nations? I thought he was because I he's he was. the Sevens. I'm not. I'm not saying he's not. Wow. Right. Okay. I you, just, you might be right. That might totally throw it, throw it off for me. He um. Uh, he, he, he he's he, playing. He's playing currently. He's playing. He's playing for Toulouse. Yeah. But I know he's keen. He was definitely in the Sevens setup. Nope, he's sitting out. He will sit out the Six Nations to prepare for the Rugby Sevens at Paris 2024. So that's interesting. Well, actually, the, oh, we haven't even talked about the Sevens yeah. at the Olympics. That could be a big deciding factor as well. You but know? I think if, they have a Sevens Player of the Year, so I think they have a Fifteens and a Sevens. So right, I, yeah. I, I, okay, I, so I like what your you're saying. Because, sevens, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's adjusted to Sevens. So say he right. led France okay. to win a Sevens, he'd probably become. Seven seven player player. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I, but it just depends on if he goes and plays any more 15s after the Olympics. Yes, I imagine. Yeah. I, well, it depends how his body holds up. That's a yeah. tough ground. Mm. All right, that's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need to think about this a little bit. Then uh, I, 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 I might just take him. Take him out for just for having for playing in the sevens. For my mind, then, World Rugby Player of the Year. See now. Could be a Kiwi player, could be a Kiwi player, but who on the Kiwis is going to be the guy that steps up, right? Because you are you are losing a few players this year, you know, or they're taking sabbaticals or they're, you know, playing overseas and things like that. So it's hard to think out of that system who who is going to, who is going to step up. It's hard to know, right? Because, 
Um, someone will step up. Someone always steps up. You look at a few of the other Northern Hemisphere players. God. Finn Russell, maybe, he's a name that comes to mind. It depends on how they how they do. I don't know. It's really hard. There's just too many players. It's hard to pick. It's hard to pick before even seeing anyone play. You know, it's like I know it's because we're coming towards the tail end of NFL season. That's been the only sport I've been watching. A lot of people at the start of the season picked Aaron Rodgers to be MVP, and he stepped on the field and tore his Achilles five (laughs) minutes in. You know, so it's a bit like we don't know how anyone's going to play this year. So what you're saying is the spirits aren't guiding you in a in a in 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 any. Motion at the they, moment. They, they guarded me towards DuPont, but I think they guarded me towards DuPont for sevens player of the year. Ah. So, yeah. well, I'll jump in here because I do have a player. Um, mm. Now, obviously, last year it was Artie Savia. Artie Savia's got a sabbatical in Japan at the moment. He is going to come back and be eligible for the All Blacks. I haven't seen a player do it successfully yet, mm. like really well, come back from Japan and be as good as they were playing Super Rugby because it's just not the same level yeah. of competition. Now, if there's a man that can do it, it's probably Artie Savia. And I'm not one to doubt that Artie Savia could do it. But yeah. I've actually got another player in mind. At the moment, and we're going to touch base on this later, New Zealand rugby can't select from overseas players. So Richie Moong is off our list. So there's a new first five in town, mm. a new sheriff in town, and that's Damien McKenzie. I was about to say, now, it's a smile, isn't it? Yeah. He's electric. He is a poster boy. He... Had a really good season for the Chiefs last year. Came into his own. You could see him there with Razor in charge and him probably wearing our number 10 jersey. I just think he has one of the craziest years ever. I think he's going to mm. rip teams up. I think he's going to score a lot of tries. I think he's going to score a lot of points because he'll probably be goal kicking. I just go, there's a man that, that you know, Razor could just have a little bit of, oh, I've, I've been working with Richie, but this kid, he's, the white version of Richie, if there's no other way to put it. Like, they both play very similar styles. They're yeah. electric on the field. I would even go to the step that Richie's a better game manager than Damien McKenzie, but Damien's more electric than Richie, which is mm. which is big to say. So, um, yeah, I just – I see Razor teaching DMAC how to manage games. I say if yeah. uh, everything I've said right now, the All Blacks go undefeated this year, it won't not be an All Black. Like, it just yeah. can't not be an All Black. So – with that, who say he starts 75, 90% of those All Blacks games at 10 and we won all of them, it's hard not to go against him. For, for me, I, I was thinking along of an All Black back as well. I think that I think if the All Blacks got undefeated, unless, you know, I guess Adi Savia stuck out in the All Blacks forward pack as um, a champion amongst champions, I guess. But otherwise... Everyone in there, they all share the load and do their tasks really, really well, right? You could just see that Artie was an exceptional piece to that puzzle, right? When you look at the the backs, you have an opportunity to show off a bit more of that flair and to be a bit more individualistic. I think the New Zealand outside backs had a great World Cup campaign. Um, you know, could this be the year that Will Jordan everything? clicks to that next level, you know, where he, he had an incredible world cup campaign as well, but could this be the year that he really steps into the limelight and, and elevates himself to a level like Israel Folau did where he played on the wing or at fullback for the Wallabies and was exceptional every time he touched the ball. I think Will Jordan is exceptional every time he touches the ball, but he doesn't get enough credit for it. I think 
where he can fall down a little bit is in his defence as well, a little bit when he's out in the wing. Um, whereas for really good was chance a he'll be playing at fullback as well. So there's yeah. there's that there's that element to it as well. Uh, so when I was thinking of all backs, I was thinking outside backs, and I was the, the name that just kept running through my mind uh, as you were talking was Will Jordan. Um, you know, fullback is his position he plays for the Crusaders. I feel like that might be his more natural position as well. If he can make that move into the All Blacks trade with uh, Razor coming in, he's seen what Will Jordan can do at fullback. Uh, he, he might be a bit more certain of himself and he can make those next level plays that might elevate him to that level. So I'm going to pick Will Jordan just, yes. just to, so I have a name on the list. Nice. Nice. We like that. Uh, let's move on now to coach of the year. Now, another yeah. tough one. Um, I'm just going to start off because I'm going to keep the ball rolling with my completely biased and honest opinion of Razor's going to get it because we go undefeated this year. So not hard for me to choose. Um, Scott Robinson, coach of the year. I'm going to throw a curveball to you. I'm going to throw a curveball here. I said before that I thought France was going to win the Six Nations. I think Ireland's going to be suffering a bit of a hangover. I think Ireland has a bit of a down year. I think... England comes second in the Six Nations, and I think they have a strong 2024. I feel like the players have really responded to Borthwick's messages. I feel like that England have the chance to do some damage this year. Um, I, I feel like there's been a little bit of a reset after the Eddie Jones hangover. I think Borthwick's got a good chance of winning Coach of the Year. If he can get England in contention for a Six Nations title, if he can... Uh, do well on their uh, test matches and things like that. Uh, and if he can get some, if he could stoke the English fires, I think that he he's in a good chance, in with a good chance for it. I mean, I think at the end of the day, whichever team ends up number one will, if it's the All Blacks, I think it'll likely be Razor, right? Mm-hmm. But I think if if Borthwick can get England looking like a top four, top five team. I think he'd be up there for his sort of revival of that program. Yeah, I actually like that pick as well. Um, and they've got a really tough year. So if he does, as you said, second in the Six Nations, you know, wins enough games and loses against a tough schedule, there's no reason he couldn't. Breakthrough yeah. player of the year, Husey, who have you got? Um, I'm going to go for an Aussie here. I think he was really unfortunate to miss the World Cup with injury suffered during the World Cup training, Max Jorgensen. I think Max Jorgensen finally gets his shot in Wallabies Gold, and I think he provides a spark that uh, will see Australia compete in some games, maybe not close them out, um, but I think he will come through and will show what everyone, what uh, Australia have been talking about when they say this kid is the next big thing for Australian rugby. So I'm going to go with Maxi J. Yeah, good call. Um I'm going to go in a slightly different direction, and I'm just making sure um, I don't believe he has. No, cool. So he hasn't played for France team yet, and I'm about to say the most French name ever, but it's Posolo Tuilangi. So the son of Henry Tuilangi. As you know, all the Tuilangis are probably the scariest people in the the world, especially Mm -hmm. Henry. Um, Manu Tuolangi, obviously the England centre, recently retired, his uncle. Um, this kid's 19, he's six foot four and a half, and he weighs 150 kilos. 
and he's Jesus a lot. Christ. Um, he was part of that French under-20 side that just swept past everyone um, mm. last year. He'll get a shot in a French jersey this year. They'll want him in that French jersey. Um, I imagine with the retirement of, um, I forgot his name, Roman, forgot his last name, one of the uh, reserve locks, I think mm. they'll put him in there. I think he'll get some serious game time. And he makes grown men look like boys with the way he tackles them and the size he is. So yep. um, watch out for him. I think they put him in there early. I think they want to get him game time. I think he has a couple of standout moments that you just go, holy shit, like how is this kid yep. 19? How is this kid 20 doing that? Um, and he's one of those ones because, you know, like, again, he's very French. He's been living in France since he was three years old. So it's not like he isn't French, but he's a standout because Samoan, you know, last name. So it's a standout already. Like, who's this Tui Lungi playing for France all of a sudden? You know, you've had yeah. the, the Tui Lungis in Samoa, Tui Lungis in England, all of a sudden Tui Lungi in France. And so it's already going to stand out. And the way he plays is very old school, very Tui Lungi-like, runs hard, tackles harder. I think yep. his name gets chucked up in the lights. Could very well be. Story of the year. Um, mm-hmm. Would you like to start, mate? Yeah. Uh, I think there's going to be a couple of really good stories this year. Um, I think the Olympics is going to be a big one. I think the the winner of the Olympics is going to be a, a really big story. But I don't know if it will be story of the year. I think story of the year will be the selection of the Australian coach. So I think it's going to happen early. I don't think anything else that happens for the rest of the year will match it because it is going to be such a media circus. I think it is going to be such a heavily scrutinized selection. I think every micro action of who the coach is is going to be analyzed and reanalyzed. His selections are going to be uh, analyzed. I think that is going to be the story of the year. That will be the thing that it's focused on most. When we look back at 2023, what was the story of 2023? Eddie Jones in a negative way, right? From the time he was hired to the time he was fired, right? It was all Eddie this, Eddie that. I think the media have picked up on the fact, both in Australia and New Zealand and South Africa, in all the and even within Argentina, all the, within the Southern Hemisphere, you can really scrutinize the Australian coach, right? It has become a position of vulnerability. Um, it's become a position of media attention, which can be a good thing if you get the right coach. So I think the Australian coach will be the story of the year. Yeah, I, I write that as well. Um, my story of the year actually is talking about a former Australian coach, and Eddie Jones, because mm. I think what he's going to do with Japan now, um, obviously he's had a gut punch like yeah. for his legacy. Eddie doesn't like the fact that what happened in like Eddie's a man of, of pride and we all know that he's a yeah. man of pride he's a man of ego he loves it he will not like what happened in Australia to his legacy he will not like what happened obviously to his his nation um, but it happened we all know it happened it was a circus as you've mentioned so I think story of the year is going to be the Eddie Jones circus continues now yeah. the spirits have mentioned a few things to me Is this going to be a good circus? Are you going to go there? Are you going to pay your $10 and enjoy the Eddie Jones Circus in Japan? I think that's the case. I think it's going to be a really good circus. I think he's going to get the Japanese. 
working mm. again. He's going to get Japan to get a couple of key results. Look, I don't know. I'm not sitting here saying I know who Japan plays. I'm pretty sure they play the All Blacks. They're not beating the All Blacks. But I think he gets them to beat a few teams where, you know, the past couple of years, as, as good as Japan is now one of those top-tier teams, but they haven't beaten anyone of note. Mm. Um, I think Eddie Jones delivers a win for them. And I think it's going to be the story of the year that just keeps giving. And you're going to be like, Eddie Jones will pop out with a couple of comments here and you'll be like, ah, remember that time last year in Aussie where he said the same thing? Mm. But it's actually going to roll on because I think he's going to get a lot more buy-in. I think he's yeah. got a lot less expectations here in Japan and there in Japan than when he was in Aussie. So I think that is story of the year. It's going to continue. What it was last year, as you yeah. said, was Eddie Jones. I think it continues on this year. I don't think that story dies anytime soon. Yeah. Final prediction. Well, that actually is a, is a good lead into my bold prediction. Oh, my bold prediction is about Eddie Jones, and that's that he doesn't win a single game in 2024. <laughs> you know, so maybe you that's think the circus is ending. <laughs> yeah, mate, I, think, I think you made a really good comment last year, which stuck with me, and watching the games, I, I felt it to be more and more true, and that is that the game of rugby has passed Eddie Jones by, that his style of coaching, his thoughts about the game are, are, are outdated now. Right, we saw it happen with England. A few years were going by, and it was the same thing, and it wasn't working. Came to Australia, tried to apply those ideas, just flat out didn't work. I think they'll try it with Japan and the players. You know, in England they covered up the scars pretty well. In Australia they didn't cover them up so well, and in Japan they're not going to cover them up at all. I think the game has passed him by. I think they will not win a single game this year, and he will be on the hot seat by the end of the year if not fired. Yeah, I like that. Um, I like that a lot. I um, So I mentioned earlier my already kind of out there prediction with the Six Nation winner was Scotland. Um, so my bold prediction is Scotland finishes a top three team. Wow. Um, Gregor Townsend. Good. Yeah. Uh, and, and he would have been my probably coach of the year if I don't have Razor winning at all. Um, yeah. But I'm saying that like, hey, they win that. They then have some easy games in the Pacific. I say easy, like brutal games, but they tour the Pacific. Mm. They beat like a Fiji and a Samoa, which is ticking boxes. Then they say they go and win every game. But I f- I, I'm not sure if they're playing New Zealand, but I, I don't remember playing Scotland for a while. So maybe we yeah. are. Um, say they win every game this year, bar the, the New Zealand game. I go, you know, he would have been right up there for the coach of the year, but an undefeated season, it's hard to go past. But, yeah, so that's yep. why I, I really see Scotland doing a lot this year. Um, saying that, as the Scottish sometimes do, they they let you down. And mm. it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if I um, go the opposite way and they end up finishing last in the Six Nations and don't win a single game this year and Gregor Townsend's fired. But my bold prediction is it goes the other way. <laughs> there you go. That is our predictions 2024. Lock them in. Um, we obviously don't advocate for betting, but if you're a betting person, feel free to go and find out the odds and, and put some money on. Um, and then choose who you think the spirits has gone to. Has it gone to me or mm. Yuzi? And then you use those spiritual advice to kind of get um. an understanding of who you should pick. Do you relate to the Welshman slash Aussie Cusie or the English Kiwi Luke? I actually feel disgusted that I have to say I'm an Englishman, but I am. Um, yeah. So, you, yeah. Now, you now live in England. Proud Englishman. Yep. Uh, very proud. Um, as we were saying at this previous podcast, I'd never wear an English jersey. That would take myself from me. Um, I've got a couple of questions just to, just to finish off in this podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Spirits, for, for, for yeah. blessing us with that. Um, just recentered myself in time for these questions. Now, this is a big one because 
obviously you guys have the ghetto law. The South Africans have realised early, big players from whatever nation. Now Scott Razor has gone, you know, pre this, the All Black, any All Blacks chat with um, selecting foreigners players has been shut down. Like the media's been against it, everyone's been against it. Now Razor's brought it up and it's all of a sudden, oh, maybe this is a good idea. It's never been a good idea before Razor bringing it up. So yeah. I, I just want to keep people in check, like, I believe in Razor, and if he's saying it, yeah, probably it is a good idea. I probably think it was a decent idea already, but what? It's like what, when the hot chick at a party suggests that everyone goes swimming. No one was thinking about swimming before, but everyone all of a sudden wants to swim. You know, exactly. It's, he's the new hot thing in town. He's saying, should we allow foreign-based players to play for the All Blacks? That might be a good idea. And everyone's suddenly on board. It make look. I know what question you're going to ask me because we have a run sheet and it's that should world rugby step in to allow foreign based players to play for their nation. My answer to this is yes, with caveats. Yes, but it needs to, it can't be an unlimited number. I think having a cap is a decent idea. I think the, the cap could be five players, but it needs to be universal. I think there needs to be a universal standard applied across world rugby about how many players you can select um, for from foreign-based teams. I think five or possibly five up to seven, I think is a good number. I don't think it should be more than half the team. I think seven, you're right under that 50% mark. Um, and that's only a, a starting 15 as well. You've got to remember now that that rugby is really a 23-man game. Um, but I, I think, yeah, having a decent chunk of players able to be selected, I think three is far too few, far, far too few. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that they, they sh- it should be, yes, and it should be universally applied how many can be foreign-based. Yeah, I like your packet. I was just want to touch, and again, this is running rampant in England at the moment because players are going over to France and they can't be selected. Henry Ardul, um, I think I'm saying that name right, but, yeah, he, young winger, um, flyer, yeah. is playing for racing at the moment, can't play for England. Now, I'm in agreement of you. I think it should just, World Rugby should just step in here and go, yes, foreign players, if they're playing overseas, are legally allowed to play for your nation. As we've done with the laws with the Tier 2 and moving players, mm-hmm. like you can move to Tier 2. They've done that, and why can't they step in here? Now, a lot of people go, oh, this should be up to their own nation and the decisions. New Zealand and Aussie are trying to do this because Super Rugby they want to keep yeah. Super Rugby relevant. Super Rugby hasn't been relevant for the past four, five, six years, just about now. Like Even back to when we had the South African teams, the yeah. competition isn't good enough yet. Now, they're growing it. They're, they're, they're trying to build something, which I understand. But I don't doubt that they can build something. Like, the international game is separate to what Super Rugby should be, and you shouldn't be trying to link the two. I think... Yeah. I don't think there should be a cap. I think... There should be an allowance of a player who's good enough and they're playing overseas and you are willing to take the risk to select an overseas-based player to play for your nation. Now, we're saying this now, and I'm saying this now, because we're looking at it like, at the moment we have the cap and that they've got to be, have played a certain amount of game for the All Blacks or a certain amount of games. Imagine the time when a young 19-year-old goes over and selects the money in Japan. Cool. Now you've got to take a risk. Do you select that player who's probably playing in a less competitive league to play for your All Blacks? Is he going to be the same level? Is he good yeah. enough? You know, I just think it it allows players to make the money and still play international rugby, which we know international rugby is 
what our sport is. Like, as much yeah. as we love all our club rugby, we love club rugby. Everyone believes in club rugby. Like, I love my Hurricanes, but international rugby will sell out stadiums. Club rugby yeah. won't. Let, let me draw two comparisons that are opposite ends of the pendulum here, right? Uh, and that is soccer and NRL, right? Um, I guess soccer does have a cap, right? But the uh, – I shouldn't say – so the, the, the same end of the pendulum, the opposite end of the pendulum to rugby, I should say, right? NRL the and Premier League soccer or Premier League football, whatever you want to call, say, the club level is the absolute top-end level, right? Uh, that is all anyone cares about. But the international games for both of those still get a decent – supporting particularly football football still has a successful football world cup every four years right every four years they have the biggest sporting event in the world could you imagine if national teams didn't weren't or had a cap on how many foreign-based players they're able to select if a country like australia imagine if they tried to do to the a-league oh we need to really support the a-league we can only pick players from a-league bar three how how stupid would that be, right? For our women's team, I think I don't think any of them play in Australia. I think they all play in the EPL or in the La Liga, right? You look at NRL, the international game is not as big. It still gets some support, but club level is everything, right? But when we have those international games, the places, the countries like your Lebanons, right, which don't have very many players, or your Maltas, they need to select players from the NRL. If they only pick players that played in their country, they wouldn't have any players, Right. So I think you can do the same for rugby as well. I think that has got to be the model because that works for all the other sports. So it's not just like, oh, it works for one sport. It's shown to work across multiple sports. Right. Where and, you know, soccer, the international game is huge as well as the club level. Right. Both are huge. That's you can look at that and say, right, we can do the same thing. We can do the same thing. We can build up our league as well, right? A-League has been building up. A-League is getting more numbers than it has in the past, right? That is still being built. Why, and they, you know, not all of the Wallabies play in the A-League. So why, why the hell should it have to happen for Super Rugby? The only reason I suggest a cap is because I think that is what it's going to have to take. I think it's going to have to be something that's done in stages to make it acceptable to the different country associations to eventually get to a stage where there is no cap. Yeah. I think it's something that has to be built up over time because truly what we should be seeing is rugby being an international game. We should be linking our competitions more and not trying to stay so separate. Right. And only coming together for a world cup every four years. Like how bloody stupid is that? Right. We have a couple of tests a year, but our main international competitions is a World Cup every four years, right? So what for what reason would anyone in the Southern Hemisphere ever turn tune into, you know, the URC or something like that? But if you've got a few different Aussies over there or Kiwis over there, South Africans playing in that competition, you might tune in just to see how that new young gun is going to do, right? But if you put restrictions on players not being able to play for their country, if they go play in these competitions, less players are going to play in these competitions, less reasons for other viewers to tune in. Uh, then the inverse is true as well. It means that we in Super Rugby can import foreign players, which I said is 
would be critical to getting more people to watching these games, right? The fact that we don't have South Africa in the competition anymore. There's so many South Africans in Australia. So many. They want to watch rugby as well. Get a few Saffirs into the Super Rugby, playing for the Waratahs, you know, playing for the Highlanders or something like that. That'd be great. You get some more of these South Africans out at the rugby watching there. Oh yeah, look, there goes Jacques. He's a really good player for the Waratahs. You know, and things like that. They'd actually come out. Let's put on a bra after the game. You know, they come out and they come out and watch. They'd have a reason to watch. You know, they had a reason to watch before when the South African teams were in the competition. They don't have a reason to watch at the moment. And that is a huge audience that's not being serviced. So I think the, I, I agree with you in that I would prefer to see no cap. I just don't think that the countries would agree to no cap. I think you've got to start somewhere. Yeah, I totally see what you're saying. Because, like, right now, to go overseas isn't like a all-black going to play in Japan. The only way you get those deals is being an all-black. Yeah. So currently you've got a few of those that could go now. So, like, no young gun really wants to go overseas straight away because they mm. probably aren't signing the biggest contract in the world. You look at someone like Lester Fanganuku. His name moved up because of his Super Rugby performances, because he was an All Black. Mm. All of a sudden, a French team came in. So I still think we're going to have that growth where we get these guys. They just may go over a bit younger where we can select them. So, yeah, I see what yeah. you're saying because there could be so many. Like, say we opened it now and then the whole All Black side disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> it would, yeah, that would be a bit strange. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. I like that. Um, final question for the first podcast of 2024 any law changes that you that you've had any law changes obviously had a few over the past couple of years it's tough um I'll, I'll let you start Husey. so are there any law changes that I would like to see is it yes correct oh I think the most obvious one is the knock on the deliberate knock on being a penalty or a yellow card rule you know i think that needs to be it doesn't even need to necessarily the law doesn't even necessarily need to change it just needs the interpretation of it needs to be set clearer maybe some clarified wording in there where you know it has to be a clear and deliberate knockdown i think that the the onus has to change from being default assuming that it's a deliberate knockdown and there needed to be evidence to prove that it wasn't deliberate to being default it should be innocent until proven guilty right it should be default should be that they've knocked it on until it's proven that they were deliberately knocking it down, you know, because how many spectacular interception tries are we missing out on? Because players just aren't, are just thinking it's just not worth it. You know, that could, that can open up rugby so much and make a more entertaining product, less frustration for the fans, less frustration for the players, no negative side to it whatsoever. No negative side, right? The, you know, the, 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 the farty old argument of, oh, players will just start knocking the ball down and it'll slow down attacking rugby is utter bullshit. It's complete and utter bullshit. Um, you know, it does, is, is NRL slow? They don't have uh, they don't have this, right? They've got lots of interception attempts in there. How many times do you see people deliberately uh, knocking it down and slowing down NRL? I would say, you know, NRL is a bit more of an exciting product than rugby is at the moment. So, you know, change that law. ASAP, or I'll chuck a Rubik's Cube through the World Rugby Headquarters windows. Fair enough, yeah, I like that. I yeah. like that a lot. And I always get it, and when it happened in, in my game on the weekend, there's no rule for a deliberate knockback. So, like, yeah. as the, t the team we were playing was making a break, our winger did a good job, got in the passing lane, and just slapped the ball backwards. And it's like, that's not a penalty. 
But yeah. if you do that, for, like I, I'm all for, like as you said, go for the intercept. Like it is, and if you're a skilled enough offense attack, you should be able to beat them without them getting in the way. So I yeah. mate, totally agree with you. The only law I would change, and it's just a slight adaptation, I hate the law at the moment where if a kick goes into the end goal, it's now a dropout because mm. it rewards shit kicking. Like I love that whole held up is. A dropout, like I think, yes, that mm-hmm. gets the game moving. We get the game ball back in play. We don't have another scrum. I don't know what the rule should be, but I think at least a twenty-two. Like, if you put in a kick from your fifteen, it just rolls into the goal line. You put that they put the ball down. They you've got to do a dropout. All of a sudden, you're starting attack from the thirty forty. You're probably taking a drop kick in professional rugby if you're playing in England. Yeah. So I just go. There just needs to be. There shouldn't be rewards for shit kicks. Like, if you put like, especially when we're in such a kicking. Moment now, rugby game at yeah. the moment, as you said, as a product, we need to reward good kicks and turn off the ones. And the other one, quickly, just to wrap us out, take away the fucking box kick snake, whatever they want to call it, oh, at the yeah. back where you can do the whole line of people. I hate that. I, I think if you're going to be box kicking, it should be you're allowed one person or there shouldn't be allowed to be able to do a big line because it drives me nutty seeing the game stop for five seconds as a halfback rolls the ball back to do a box kick. That turns out to be knocked on by one team and then we have a scrum. Like that will drive me nutty for the rest of my life. So sort the box kick shit, shit out. Mm. Yep. Agreed. Excellent. Done. 2024 started off with a bang. Prediction, spirits and... Australian rugby coaches <laughs> always top of mind. <laughs> I don't think that we've had that probably in our podcast for the past year as the Australian rugby comes since, yeah. since Dave Rennie got let go and Eddie Jones has kind of come in. There hasn't been a time we haven't talked about the Australian rugby coach and I don't think it's going to stop anytime soon, my friend. <laughs> so no, strap in. So either. It's another big year for Australian rugby. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think I wore the Welsh jersey today? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us. It's, it's uh, really saying something. When Welsh rugby nearly collapsed last year, when when the coach said, if I'd known how bad it was going to be, I would never have played. And it's still the model of stability next to the Wallabies. <laughs> oh, God. Man. I'm still here for you. Yeah. If you need anything, let me know. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank uh, you. We're big supporters of Are You OK? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've asked that multiple times throughout the year. <laughs> I do. Every time we start a podcast after another Aussie lost, are you okay, mate? Yeah, God. Yeah. Well, you've got the Waratahs to look forward to. Hopefully, that um, uh, yeah. Coleman can lead you to something a bit brighter. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. Something above sixth place. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us. I've been Luke. That's been Husey. We're that rugby podcast. We will see you again two weeks time. Two weeks time. We're coming back. Bye. Peace.